0: Chapter Twenty-five of *Dave Dashaway and His Hydroplane* by Roy Rockwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty-five, Caught, Conclusion. Hurrah! Was the word that Hiram Dobbs spoke exultantly, and Dave looked at him in profound surprise. Hiram had lifted himself up from the seat. Now he went through some movements that almost startled the puzzled young aviator. Suddenly his arm shot out of the sling, and as suddenly Hiram, though with a wince, swung it around once or twice, and the three splints holding it cracked and split audibly. "'Hey, Hiram!' gasped Dave. "'Shh!' uttered his assistant warningly. Hiram ran his free hand down into his pocket. He drew out the big pocket knife he carried. It was more of a tool than a whittling toy, for he used it in tinkering about the airship. With his teeth, Hiram opened its largest blade. He gave a slash at the cord surrounding his other arm and his feet. Then he leaned over towards Dave. A few deft strokes of the keen blade and Dave, like himself, was free. Easy," he whispered as Dave started up. "I'll watch Dawson. You get into the pilot seat. Good for you," Hiram whispered back. The young aviator, fairly thrilling with the excitement of the moment, Dave took in every detail of the mechanism before his eyes. He made sure of no faulty start. All ready," he announced after a minute or two. "Goodbye." "'spoke Hiram with a gay, bold wave of his hand in the direction of the sleeping Dawson. "'Put on the muffler!' ordered Dave as the exhaust began to sizzle. "'Hiram did so. "'It was too late, however, to avoid sounding a warning to Dawson. "'The big man started up with a yell. "'He came to his feet, roaring out, "'Come back!' "'I hope you'll find the walking good!' shouted Hiram, "'waving his hand in adieu to the amazed Dawson.' hiram you're a genius cried dave the drifter struck a course as true as a die the splendid machine and the young aviators were both at their best there was a last fading picture of a forlorn man convulsed with rage and despair then the two boy aeronauts turned their back on the enemies who had been hoisted by their own petard it's great it's grand cheered Hiram, bubbling over with joy, as the exhilarating air and their magical progress made him realize what freedom meant to its fullest extent. I don't understand. Your arm, Hiram, said Dave. His jolly assistant waved the arm in question gaily. Wasn't it hurt? Yes, and badly, I thought reflected hiram it was numb and useless when the half-breed attended to it but he was mistaken and so was i in thinking that any bones were broken they were not not a bit of it don't you see it pains and i'm bragging when i swing it around as if it was as good as ever but i can use it you have used it to a grand purpose hiram I didn't notice that I could use it until they locked me up with you. Why didn't you tell me then? Oh, I wanted to surprise you. You have, Hiram. I thought I'd play possum on those smart fellows. I played the cripple strong. You see what has come of it. When they had gone nearly 100 miles, Dave saw that the gasoline supply was running low. Luckily, they were near a little town. They made a descent on a river, much to the delight and wonder of the whole place, bought a new supply, and resumed their flight. It was after ten o'clock in the evening when the welcome lights of Ann came into view. Dave did not look around for some hiding place on the outskirts on this occasion. He startled a drowsy policeman by landing in the middle of some vacant lots on his beat a brief explanation was made to the officer and a man hired to watch the drifter until they returned then dave and hiram hurried to the hotel in anseton where mr price made his headquarters the revenue officer was found he listened to the story of the two young aviators in amazement and admiration then he reported results of his own efforts ridgely was under arrest Two of his accomplices were being then pursued by his assistants, and the smuggling combination was all broken up. The clues you have given us were fine ones, Dashaway, said the official gratefully. You have done the government a vast service, I can tell you. Mr. Price insisted on the boys taking a needed rest. He sent one of his men to guard the drifter, and after a famous meal, made his guests agree to sleep in a comfortable bed for the first time in nearly a week. It was just after they had entered their room that Dave made the remark. You know, we had better see if those friends of the Dawson's have found the monarch too and made away with it, Hiram. Well, I can tell you that they haven't, replied Hiram with a confident chuckle. How can you know that? Why, Dave, when I was shut in with the machine in that basin, I took it apart. You know it was made to do that so it could be shipped readily. Well, I'll bet you I hid those parts in places in that basin where nobody can locate them but myself. Good for you, commended Dave heartily. I think the interstate people will have something pleasant to say to you when they know all the wonders you've done in chasing their stolen airship it was the brightest day in the year it seemed to the two young aviators as they reached columbus by train and started at once for mr king's hangar old grimshaw had met them at the depot he was full of friendly chatter seemed to be chuckling over some secret surprise he had in store for them and rushed them towards the headquarters of the aegis yes mr king is back he advised the boys did he find mr dale inquired dave anxiously he'll tell you dave and hiram had much to relate two boys probably never received a more pleasant welcome than they when with the drifter they reported to the manager of the interstate aeroplane company mr randolph had the president and two directors of the concern on hand to meet them Their stirring story was taken in by the august businessmen with an attention and appreciation that of itself paid the lads well for all the duty done. The boys had remained long enough at Seton to have some men go with them and locate the hidden sections of the monarch too, and arrange to have them shipped by rail back to the factory dave felt pretty rich when he left the interstate works with a check for five hundred dollars in his pocket and an offer of advanced employment for himself and his loyal and useful assistant for two seasons ahead i want to see mr king before i decide what i will do dave told mr randolph his mind full of the much discussed flight across the atlantic and the giant airship you can have your two hundred and fifty dollars any time you like hiram he added to his chum on their way to the depot as they now reached the aegis hangar grimshaw stepped aside with a pleased laugh safe and sound and famous here they are mr king he shouted there's no doubt of that chorused the friendly voice of the expert aviator dave hiram a thousand times welcome if he had been own father to the lads mr king could not have greeted them more affectionately you've done us all proud dashaway he declared got a telegram from the interstate folks and the noon paper the paper has given you two columns this way a friend is waiting to see you mr king pushed dave across the little room in the hangar he used as an office a middle-aged noble-looking gentleman arose from a chair as dave entered his face was beaming and there was an eager light in his eyes dave dashaway he said half inquiringly yes sir assented dave grasping the extended hand of the gentleman my best and oldest friend's boy continued the gentleman It is Mr. Dale, Dashaway, spoke Mr. King, following Dave into the room. Somehow, the young aviator felt his heart warm to the man of whom he had heard so much, but had never before seen. The old gentleman's eyes rested on him in a kindly, earnest way that made Dave feel less lonely in the world. Briefly, Mr. King told of the chase he had made to locate Mr. Dale i've got a long story to tell said the aviator when he could get a chance to talk he turned to mr dale that is if you wish me to tell it he added certainly was the ready reply you can probably tell it better than i can well to begin with it was no easy task to get on the track of this fellow greg commenced the well-known aviator i had to do some tall hunting before i could locate him and his two cronies his cronies repeated dave yes he had two fellows in the game with him i guess he found out that he could not manage it alone the three of them called on mr dale and at first got him to take an automobile ride then they took him to a lonely house down near Slaytown, and there they kept him a prisoner a prisoner yes just as we were kept prisoners murmured our hero Mr. Dale says he was treated very nicely, for Greg, no doubt, had an idea he could get more money that way. I see. Well, after a good deal of hard work I located the spot and saw Mr. Dale from a distance. I knew I could not rescue him single-handed, so I went back to town and notified the police. I had hard work getting three officers to accompany me, because the police just then were having their annual inspection and parade and all wanted to be present. When we got to the lonely house, we got a big surprise. How was that? Greg and the two men and Mr. Dale were gone. Where to? At first I couldn't find out, but we saw wagon tracks in the soft roadbed and followed these along the road and through a big field. Presently we came to a patch of woods, and there found what in years gone by had been a lumber camp. At the old house we saw a horse and a wagon, and we knew the crowd must be somewhere around. We separated and came up to the place from all sides. In a shed near the house we found Greg and the two men. They were discussing the situation when we pounced on them and surprised them. Did they resist? Greg did, and as a consequence he got a blow in the mouth from a policeman's club that broke off two of his teeth. Then all of the crowd gave up, and we handcuffed the lot and made them prisoners. And Mr. Dale? asked Dave with interest. We found him in the old house, tied up. And very grateful for the rescue put in the old gentleman warmly. All of us came to town in the wagon the rascals had hired. Then, Greg and his accomplices were put in jail, and Mr. Dale and I came on here, concluded Mr. King. I am mighty happy to see things have turned out this way, said our hero heartily. I am so glad to find the son of my old balloonist friend, said Mr. Dale, that I shall have to adopt you legally, Dave, before you slip away from me again let me be your second father my boy and take an interest in your progress i stayed over here with our mutual friend mr king purposely to go over this wonderful plan to cross the atlantic in an airship then you think well of it asked dave you do not have to ask that of an old aeronaut enthusiast my boy replied mr dale yes dashaway said the aviator mr dale has promised gladly to furnish the capital to put through our newest giant airship scheme so for the present we leave dave dashaway the young aviator and his friends what happened to them in their new and daring project will be told in the next volume of this series to be called dave dashaway and his giant airship or a marvelous trip across the atlantic The young aviator had won his way through pluck and perseverance. Dave had already done some great things in his apprenticeship as a junior aeronaut. Now, the friend and assistant of a noted expert in aeronautics, he was eager and buoyant at the prospect of winning fame and fortune in an attempt that was the dream of the expert airman of the world. The End End of chapter twenty-five. Recording by Scott Daneker, Elizabeth City, North Carolina, www.zeppelfart.com End of Dave Dashaway and His Hydroplane, or Daring Adventures Over the Great Lakes, by Weldon J. Cobb, also known as Roy Ruckwood.